Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 135. My name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher at Active Oxford Regional <laughs> High School in Massachusetts. Uh, and on Life School podcast, I like to welcome fellow life science teachers to come and talk to me about what's going on in their classroom. And on this episode, we're going to uh, look at how uh, adults uh, influence our classroom, and mainly the other adults, not just us. I suppose we're supposed to be adults uh, in this case. Uh, so we're going to kick off. This is our first recording. Do we of, have to? <laughs> we're going to kick our, record, <laughs> our first to? recording of 20. 22 uh, with the question, what's something new and exciting that's happening in your professional life in 2022? What are you looking forward to? And so joining us from Texas is Lee Ferguson. Welcome, Lee. Hello. So the exciting thing happening for me in my professional life is that I decided last semester to uh, get administrator certification. And so my classes start a week from Tuesday. Wow. So paid paid tuition for the first class, bought my books. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> it is real. And, you know, the, the process of paying tuition and buying books <laughs> took me back 30 years to my freshman year of college yeah. when I was paying tuition and buying books. And I said to myself, this is a racket. <laughs> <laughs> buying books is a racket. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's so, funny because my, my wife and I, so my wife and I graduated from UMass and our oldest is at UMass Amherst. And so we've, we've I've spent more time on that campus in the last, you know, you know, year between when he went and visited mm -hmm. and, and dropping him off and picking him up and meeting him sometimes. And we'd go in there and we're like, we're pulling up and we're parking and we're parking at this place that was right next to where the textbooks annex was because there used to be a separate building that housed all the textbooks. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, they just order their books online when they buy their classes. Then they click over to this other portal and buy their books, either new or used right there. Like there's no longer this physical building <laughs> that was like part of like we used to have to sign up for our classes using the phone so kelly this is we're gonna we're sound super old we didn't do that we did ours in yeah, person yeah. like we had to walk to the professor with a card in our hand and they would give us a sticker because they got a, a roster of stickers right and then if they had a spot in their class they would give you the sticker and and you were registered and so you know you had to do it in person and the thing that was kind of I guess, exhilarating slash maybe humiliating slash exciting about that whole process was that if you were an upperclassman and had lots of hours, you could just run right through, mm -hmm. get all your classes, you had your card full of stickers, boom, you were registered. But if you were an underclassman and you didn't have enough hours, but you were taking, you know, higher level courses, of course, you're having to wait in line behind all the upperclassmen. And then if the professor runs out of stickers for a class you need, because it's only offered every other year, because at my university, because it was so small, there were certain courses that were only offered every other year. You had to grovel <laughs> with some of these professors, please let me take this class. I mean, I saw that happen on more than one occasion. Thankfully, it never happened to me, but I saw it happen to other people. And so... You know, when I was talking to, um, I had to call the the university that I'm going to to school through, and talk to a student coordinator who was making sure that I knew to pay my tuition and all this other stuff. And and I said, and he said something about, oh well, you can rent your books now. I was like, what? <laughs> I can rent a book? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, you just go online and do, you know, click click click, and you can rent your book. And that concept is just so foreign mm -hmm. to me. 
you know, because I'm very much a give me a paper textbook so I can write in it and highlight in it and all of this other stuff. And I'm like, no, that sounds really appealing, but no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So, but yeah, I start classes a week from Tuesday and I'm pretty yeah, excited. So this is, uh, we're recording this advance. So it'll be the day after this first comes out. You'll be, you'll be in class. You'll yeah. be listening to it on your way to class. That's right. <laughs> Yes. Well, actually, it's all online. So, yeah, my class is all online. Yeah, I don't actually have to see a physical building or physical people, which is going to be uh, odd for me because I've never been a student in an online yeah. course like that. So, we'll see. We'll see how well, it that, goes. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, this being the olds here on this on this podcast, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll turn to yeah. the youngs uh, on this time. Uh, joining us from, yes. uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, we are in Missouri. Am I right on this, Kelly? We're in Missouri. Now, now in Missouri, Missouri. yeah. <laughs> keep yep. trying to keep up. Joining us from Missouri is Kelly Cluthy. Welcome, Kelly. What's exciting in your life? Um, well, it's been a pretty wild last month or so. Um, I was really struggling towards the end of last semester, feeling myself just really burnt out, and I knew I needed to make a change. Um, and a new opportunity just kind of landed on my lap, and I went for it. So I am now going from public school to private school. And from high school to elementary, I am now a fourth and fifth grade STEM teacher, which is pretty cool. And I just finished my first week and absolutely loved it. I'm kind of sad I didn't make this change sooner. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because it, we like we we chatted online as we were going. I gave I sent you the most dad messages ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I sent the message and I was like, "What's wrong with me? Like this is my friend. I'm not her dad, but like <laughs> I knew how. I, appreciate I was it. like, I mean, I, but I I knew how much you were struggling. Like all of a sudden, I got all these emails of all these positions that were opening up all over the country, and I'm like sending them to Kelly. And I was like, of course she knows what she's doing. She has a plan. Like obviously she's fine. But it was uh yeah. I I'm I'm happy to. I was happy to hear the announcement when you were when you were ready to make that, and uh, it, it's good. Um, yeah. It's reignited like my passion for teaching. I've had like a really good time actually planning lessons and feeling creative for the first time since the pandemic started. So I think it's been good for yeah, me. It's great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cause I see the stuff that you're posting on Twitter about what you're doing with the kids every day. And I'm like, Oh, that looks like fun. I'm having a blast. They are so enthusiastic and so curious and it's so much fun to do actual science with them. Hey. Well, I, I, not to be outdone, I, for once, actually have something that's new and exciting um, that I can share, uh, which is uh, I actually am going to have my first student teacher. Uh, yeah. I, I've never. I've, wow. Your very, very first, first one? one? I've never had it. Now, I've done a. Oh, I wow. have done a ton of mentoring. So it's funny because I have a lot of mm -hmm. relationships with early career teachers because I've been part of national mentoring programs and I've mentored in the AP program, mm -hmm. that sort of informal one that we did. And I've worked in many formal mentoring programs. So I've had like you know, most of the last 15 years of my career, I have done a lot of early career outreach. Like that is it, but I've never actually had a student teacher. So um, huh. the opportunity popped up. It has a little to do with where my school is. We're a little far away from kind of everything. We're like mm -hmm. really equidistant between Boston and Worcester, which is the major city in the middle of our state. So we're kind of like 40 45 minutes from two cities it's and so unless you have a car or like you live in the area we just don't have a lot of science teacher science mm -hmm. teacher student teachers we've had i can think of like you know three or four that we've had during my career like it really is a very it's not a very hospitable location 
to be a student teacher mm-hmm. and just to get to. Um, and we've been yeah. working on trying to improve that. And so the opportunity arose where somebody was interested in being in our area. My department had reached out and we started talking. And yeah, right as we were going right in, in December break, everything sort of fell into place. And so, uh, yeah, the, the day or two after this uh, gets posted, I will have him, you know, I've, I've been doing all the work. I've got all the paperwork in line. I've got him a Chromebook lined up. I got him an email address, uh, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And uh, he's, he's going to be joining me. Um, uh, in class, and so I have really almost no idea uh, what this is going to be like. Uh, not and not because I don't know how student teachers work. It's just like I just know how student teachers in you know in the midst of a pandemic with all of our rules and how that dynamic mm-hmm. is going to work. And um, I I know it's definitely going to feel different than the other student teachers who I've worked with in our building. Um, but at the same time, you know, I. I, I'm looking forward to it because it is gonna. It's an exciting thing for me, and I, I do love working with young teachers um, and helping them out. So it's something that, you know, I I dream about doing someday when I'm not going into a classroom every day myself. I could see working with still young teachers or early profession, career professionals. Yeah, you could actually supervise student yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, through a university, just be the supervisor, and then you get to see them in lots of different classrooms. Yeah. Teach method, teach a you methods know, class, so. and do that, and that yeah. would be. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the retirement dream, I think. Um, not that not that the retirement is too close. We're not talking about retirement. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, even though it's not too far away. <laughs> At least for I'm me, just it's happy not. To hear that someone's going into teaching right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's. Yes. I mean, I I had that conversation with some of my colleagues, and they think they came across, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, I saw it," and I, you know, they what, and I was like, and I was like, "Well, if not me, then who? Like, if 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 we're not going to help the new people who want to come on board, if somebody is like, yeah, a deaf still want to do it, right. like." we got to help them. Like we can't, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we can't let the negativity of circumstances and, and the data, mm-hmm. the day to day frustration that has popped up a lot in the last, you know, two and a half years, um, you know, weigh us down to discourage the people that we need to come in. And so we need to bring them in. And if mm-hmm. they can come in and learn this, this time, I can't imagine a harder time to student teach then they're they're no. gonna they're gonna pick up a lot of thoughts about what's really really crucial and important about students and relationships yes. and mental health that may got may get backburnered in when it's sort of a, a normal year. Um, I, yeah, when things go back to whatever normal is going to look yeah. like, you know. I mean, we um, my colleague that teaches next door had a student teacher mm-hmm. last year. And uh, I had been asked, you know, would you like a student teacher? And I was like, no, I, I can't handle one more thing right now. As much as I would love to work with one, I just, I need to get my footing in this new environment first before I try to teach somebody else how to do it. But my colleague was like, yeah, sure, let's do this. And it actually ended up working out really well for her Um you know, and the, the girl that was her student teacher was really mm-hmm. good. I mean, she, she was excellent. Um, you know, so it, it, it can be done. I mean, it can be done. And, you know, we had the same types of rules and regulations in place about, you know, social distancing mm-hmm. and, and all of this. And this was when we only had just a handful of kids in the classroom, you know, and that was one of the things that I worried about, you know, taking on a student teacher. I'm like, they're not going to get to see... <laughs> the best of what we do, right? You know, they're not going to get to see the best of what we do and what we can do. You know, they're going to see something that is highly altered. It's not going to give them a, um, an accurate picture of what their own classroom could look like. But then if you think about it, (laughs) (laughs) when we all did student teaching, 
was that an accurate picture of what our classrooms no. actually looked like? No. no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not. Um, you know, I don't think that there's anything during your student teaching experience that remotely resembles what you actually experience as the person who runs your own classroom. Mm -hmm. you know and so you know in retrospect I probably should have said yes but I'm glad I didn't <laughs> I, I would have I would <laughs> you know? have said no but in the future I would welcome yeah in in the future I definitely would welcome another you know a student teacher just because I've had student teachers before and I love working yeah. with student teachers you know it's it's a lot of fun you know mm -hmm. to get to to see their enthusiasm and their excitement and you know kind of guide them and shepherd them through the process of you know, growing to growing into the professional that we know that they can be. Yeah, it'll be interesting. My my kids are hard. My kids are my kids are high high demand kids. It's gonna be. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm gonna be. Uh, I, I'm gonna be running a little. Uh, you know, a protective defense at times a little early on because yeah. they're they uh, <laughs> they are intellectually a demanding group. Um, particularly my APs in our school. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. So, so. Well, and as long as you prepare yeah. your student teacher for that, they'll be yeah. fine. Well, and they spend, mm -hmm. they'll be totally they, fine. you know, he's, obviously they always start with some observations and we don't throw them in day one. It's not like, the, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, there's a ramp up time and, and, no. and do all that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Um, it, it's, it'll be, it'll be also, I think, humbling for me to sort of take a step back and let somebody else sort of take reins and stuff like that. And that's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting thing for me that, um, mm -hmm. it'll be a challenge on me professionally. Like, how how much do I how much am I able to cede sort of my domain over, you know I I, I mm -hmm. can cede a lot collaboratively with people, but at the end of the day I still go into my own room. This is going to be a whole right. other level. I realize beyond <laughs> what I've ever done before, and yeah. that's you know, that it's gonna, it's hard giving yeah. up the reins. It's gonna it be is. it's gonna it's be hard. a different challenge that I've never had to encounter, and I'm aware yeah. of it. Um, so uh, yeah, um. Uh, I'm, I'm, as I said, it's very exciting. Um, and it provides a really nice transition to something that I was thinking about over the break, which is this arc of, we keep sort of mentioning like, like adults in our building and, and adults, you know, and how mm -hmm. we should do, there was this whole long conversation about how like weird it is that we teach um, and we teach like one adult and all of these kids in our room and it, it, it can feel, and a lot of teachers talk about the isolation of the profession when we work mm -hmm. with young people. Um, but there's also a huge advantages to like, when I go in my room, it's just like me and my kids and I got a relationship and a rapport with them. I get to build it over months. It is what it is. Um, but the other adults, whether we like it or not, have this huge, you know, shadow that gets cast on the work that we do with our students. So I thought it would be just an interesting thing to, to say, like, how do other adults sort of influence the work that we're doing in the classroom? Um, and so let's, you know, start with sort of the basics of that. Um, are there other adults that are ever in your classroom while you're teaching? And, you know, wh why are they there <laughs> to start? And so, Kelly, let's start with you. And, you know, obviously you're in a brand new situation over a week. So um, yep. feel free to lean yep. back on past experience on this one. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So at my previous school, there was a lot of expectation for teachers to be observed. Um, our department chairs were supposed to push out into our classes once a week, do an observation. And then we had share planning time where we were supposed to debrief together and just use that time to coach, mentor, provide resources, all that good stuff. Um, I was really nervous going into that type of setting before I started at the school because I'm usually someone that 
just kind of freezes up when admin walks into the door. I get very nervous. Um, but I just really want to shout out my former department chair, Dr. Jen Lacey. Absolutely incredible. She made the whole process just very non-judgmental, very supportive. And actually, like, I found it helpful to my practice. She has just this, like, incredible depth of knowledge in applying the science content to like our communities and to people and looking at inequities. So I learned a lot about social justice incorporating that to my classroom through her. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic really threw a wrench in a lot of our plans. Um, we were pulled in so many directions, especially this past fall. And we were covering for each other's classes and she just wasn't able to make it into my classroom or meet for the coaching session mm. more than maybe once a month or so. Um, so I've had a really good recent experience. I'm hoping that can continue at my new school because I actually got a lot out of it. Wow. I love the idea of the, the in-building or in-district coach that has that positive, mm -hmm. non-judgmental. The word yep. non-judgmental really pops for me. <laughs> it was the first time I really like felt that way about being observed, and it was really nice. Lee, how about you? Uh, other adults ever walking in your room? Uh, if um, let's see. So last year I had a couple of adults walk through, um, only because I was, so in Texas, we can waive an observation if you meet certain benchmarks. <laughs> so this year I'm on a waiver because I met the benchmarks. So last year I had a formal observation. And so, you know, my principal came in, observed me teaching Zoom and, and live <laughs> at the same time. Um, you know, and then I had a couple of walkthroughs and then sometimes the instructional coaches would come in and bring other teachers because they do these things called instructional rounds where they'll invite teachers to come with them to different classrooms all over the building so they can kind of observe, okay, here's how this teacher does this part of class and here's how this teacher does this part of class. And I've actually gotten to participate in one of those, not just as somebody that was being observed, but as an observer. And that is a lot of fun, actually. Um, you know, because it gives me the opportunity to spend just a little bit of time in someone else's classroom. Um, and so this year it hasn't been that way, partly because I'm on a waiver, so I don't have to have a formal observation this year. Um, but, you know, our administrators are just so busy with all the disciplinary issues we've had and all of that, which I'm sure you probably mm -hmm. have had and Kelly probably had at your last school potentially. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, but the ICs still come in, you know, periodically and they'll peek around and they'll look around to see, oh, hey, are you doing something cool? You know, because they tell us, hey, invite us to come and watch. You know, if you want feedback about something, come, you know, let us know. We'll come and watch. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really helpful to have them come in, especially when they send you that feedback telling you, oh, hey, you know, I saw this and it was great. Or, hey, you know, did you notice that little bunny Fufu was napping in the back <laughs> corner? Um, you know, what can you do to, you know, make sure that that kid is engaged? Da, 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 da. Um, but most of the time, I'll be honest, when you talk about being isolated, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's pretty isolating. But to be fair, I'm on a huge campus. Yeah. I mean, there's 350 <laughs> teachers in my building and I don't even want to know how many classrooms and so it's it's not reasonable for my administrators to get to see all of our classrooms every single week yeah. you know it's just not and I know my head principal has even said that he wished he had more time 
to come and see, you know, some of the stuff that we do because he, he knows that he's got some great teachers. He just doesn't get a chance to see them. Yeah. You know, that's a, that is a so. common refrain I've heard from administrators in my building and uh, my, my building, which is under administered. Uh, I would say we do not have enough administrators, administrators for the size of and scope of mm -hmm. building we have, which mm -hmm. makes their workload mm -hmm. impossible. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, I think, you know, it, in an ideal world, they would have enough support to do that um it's funny you have the waiver in massachusetts we have a two-year observation cycle where you are observed seven times formally every two years oh yeah. wow I, I jokingly say that our our evaluation system is designed to generate so much paperwork that nobody will ever read it um oh, wow. <laughs> because we have to do yes yeah because we have to write a uh we have to write like goals and plans and then a mid-cycle reflection, and then an end-of-cycle reflection, mm -hmm. plus there are seven ob observations with evaluation meetings that go with them. Um, and then my my department head has to wow. generate. So my department head is generating the seven observation documents and the conversation documents and a final evaluation based off of that. And they're based off of like all of these. I, it's like every, we've done it now. I think we've just, I'm in my third cycle of this. And every time I open up the documents, I'm like, what does this all mean? What does this mean? Like it's, it's so jargony and dense and it's like all stuff you do like there, but it is, it is incomprehensibly. It's like, it's such bad design. It's like, if I wanted to design some documents that would guarantee that nobody could use them to get better at what they do. <laughs> they would use yeah, these. Yeah. It, it's almost <laughs> like they translated them into another language and then back and then through a program that generated educational jargon and then back and then back into educational jargon and then back. And those are the documents we start with. Wow. Because like, they have just, like you read them and you're like, well, what does that term mean? Or what does it mean in this context? So, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So for me, like wow. my department, That's my department wild. head is in my room roughly once every other month or so. It, not necessarily even for a formal, like sometimes it's just like to pop in. Like I saw him on Thursday mm -hmm. afternoon. He stopped by because we have a department, a department meeting coming up and he's like, can you talk about X, Y, and Z when we're at that meeting? Um, and he also like, he informally checks in with people like when there's decisions that are coming up, he's really good about doing that. Like he's very good about we're thinking about making this change or this is being discussed in like leadership meetings at the district, you know, at the high school level. What are your thoughts about that? You know, like just like we'll come by and he'll just go and talk to like, you know, five or six members of the department. Sometimes we'll do it informally. I'm not somebody who spends any time whatsoever in my department center, um, really, other than to like go down and get materials. I just, I generally spend most of my time elsewhere. So he will come and seek me and like some of my other colleagues who are on a separate floor out and just say, hey, what do you thought about that during a free period? So he he's in my room sometimes when I'm teaching and the kids are working on stuff, asking me questions, you know, I'd say every other month or he's in for an observation. And then uh, otherwise, I see in a build administrator maybe like once or twice a year, you know, mm -hmm. and then I and then wow. I have a couple of other teachers who will walk in and conference with me while I'm doing something. But it's never like it's never sort of the language that Kelly used to say, watch. Nobody's watching me do what I do. And, mm -hmm. and serving as a reflective balance aside from my department head. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
it's and and you know informally like i'll have informal conversations where people will say oh that looks cool what are you working on that but literally i have to grab people and say hey look at this thing that i'm doing they <laughs> think this is cool ask me questions about it <laughs> like and i actually have done that to colleagues of mine when they've come back to i was like all right stop what you're doing i want you to look at what we're doing right now and <laughs> and i will do that to other people so that may be also why nobody ever walks in my room because i <laughs> I'm, i drag them into my reflection process <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. So, so now let's flip it around. Uh, and Lee, you actually got into this a little bit while you were talking about it, but, but do you ever mm-hmm. get to spend time in other teachers' classrooms while they're teaching, you know, and, and maybe if not, what, what would you like to see if you got a chance to see more of it, if it's yeah. one of those couple things? So unfortunately I yeah. don't, and I really wish that I had the time to visit other teachers and not just the ones on my campus. Uh-huh. Right. Like I have colleagues at different schools all over the Metroplex here, Mm -hmm. and I would love to be able to go to a couple of their schools and watch them teach. And one year I actually did that one year during spring break because I knew that one of the local schools that a friend of mine teaches at had a different spring break than us. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, can I just come and spend, you know, the first part of the day in your classroom observing? He's like, yeah, sure. Um, Aaron, I don't know. You know Barry well, yeah, Hyde? Yeah. yeah. So it was Barry. I, I went and observed Barry teaching. And so I thought, and that was great. I was like, man, I wish I could do this more. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also want to see teachers who don't teach in my department. You know, so I know on my campus that there are, you know, several people that I'm friends with that I know are outstanding teachers who I would love to observe mm-hmm. because, you know, I've heard I know of their teaching prowess from their students, you know, and so I know that they're good because their kids say things about them all the time, about the stuff they do in class and, you know, the way that the teacher's interacting with them and, you know, the way that the teacher gives feedback and all this. I'm like, man, I wish I had the time to go see these Mm -hmm. people, you know, because sometimes they're off when I'm off, you know, sometimes, you know, I've got so much stuff to do during my off period that, I don't have a chance to go and just sit and observe, or maybe the class that I want to see isn't available at the time that I'm Mm. off. Um, I really wish that that's something that schools would invest time in for teachers as a part of professional development is watching, you know, like say allowing a teacher, you know, half a day to go and observe others on campus and then do some sort of reflective activity about that you know, to see what they've learned and what they could learn from their colleagues. Because, I mean, otherwise, how are you learning how to get better Mm -hmm. at what you do, Mm -hmm. right? And and what better way to to, then to utilize the people that are in your own building? You know, the only cost is it's a sub. Of course, right now, (laughs) getting a sub is damn near impossible. But, you know, once things do trend, you know, try to settle down, maybe that's something that I think schools should really, really look into is it's using their own people as a way of professionally developing the staff. You know, I think that would be awesome. Like if, if I were in charge of a school, (laughs) then I would actually probably require teachers to go and observe, you know, two classrooms a semester, you know, go look, tell me what you learned you know, let's, let's learn from each other. I mean, why not? 
Yeah. So, so Kelly, I mean, you're in a brand new situation, so I know that you're, so, so maybe you're, this new role, especially because your role is, is expanded a little bit and, and being the STEM, mm-hmm. the STEM teacher, uh, how about you? Do you get to spend time with other teachers while they teach? Yeah. So that was actually one of the major reasons that this new position appealed to me so much is because I do get to actually go out and observe the other STEM teachers at my school. Um, and I'm really excited about that. While I'm new to the school itself, um, I'm probably, well, I am the most experienced science teacher there. So my colleagues are a little bit younger, a little bit more fresh to the field. And I think one of them hasn't ever taught like a normal year at all, like just Aww. pandemic school years. Man. So <laughs> I get to be the person dropping in and just observing and meeting them for coaching and stuff like that. Um, I'm really excited to work with them because they are so passionate and so excited and energetic and just really like jazzed about project-based instruction and all these great things. Um, So I'm excited to go out and actually see what they're doing. Um, Our school is pre-K through eighth grade, and then we also have a high school, and I'll be collaborating with the high school as well, doing some vertical alignment with their STEM teachers and just making sure there's a smooth transition from the time they're in preschool to the time they're graduating. Wow. Uh, but Lee, I think your idea about uh, being able to go out and requiring observations is such a great idea. Um, my first school that I worked at, we actually hired floating subs where we can sign up to use them. They'd come cover our class for up to half a day. And then we could use that time to go meet with colleagues or go observe. And that was so beneficial to me as a first or second and even third year teacher I took advantage of that all the time, and it was probably the most valuable thing I did professional development-wise those first couple of years, because you're seeing teachers in the classroom doing their thing and just picking up tips from how do they set up their classroom space to classroom management and some of these other things that you don't really get in like a conference because it's not quite as authentic as you mm-hmm. are like actually seeing teaching and learning and half like happening in real time. Well, and, and to your point, you know, seeing just different styles of classroom management, Yeah, you know, I mean, these are things that, you know, if you went through a teacher prep program, which fewer and fewer people seem to be doing mm-hmm. now and going through alternative certification routes, knowing how to manage a classroom is so crucially important. And if you don't see what that looks like, you know, even if it's not a way you would do something, it's still a mm-hmm. model to follow. Yep. And even if you have, you know, even if you did go through a, a formal program like I did, we had a class called classroom management. It was basically, let's sit around in a circle and talk about what we did during student teaching, <laughs> which isn't really, you know, at the time I wasn't student teaching. So I just listened, you know, I couldn't speak to, you know, my experience because I didn't have any at that point. But I think it would be valuable just for people to see different ways of doing things, you know, it's like, okay, if you've, you know, your students are responding to this teacher really well, but they're not responding to you, (laughs) go watch them, find out what they do differently so that you can maybe adapt some of those things for your own classroom. And I'm really excited to get out to some classrooms since I'm a fresh elementary school teacher. I learned very quickly this week that some of the classroom management tools I use with my Mm. teenagers doesn't work with 10-year-olds in the same way. So getting into other rooms and seeing how some of the other teachers do things is, I'm going to learn just as much. I feel like I can support with the science side and the curriculum side, but 
I need to learn how to be a, a teacher for fourth and fifth graders. Yeah, it's it's funny we say that. It makes me think back to like when I first started doing presentations to adults. Um, you know, because like I am accustomed to building a culture in my classroom such that I get mm -hmm. I I guess I took for granted the culture I built in my classroom. Like, so then I get in front of a bunch of adults and I'm like, well, they're a bunch of adults. Like I can just roll out, like, this is what we're going to do with it. It's like, and the first time I ever had to do something to like a broad, like faculty meeting or anything like that, it was a disaster because they couldn't follow Like they were only half paying attention and they were like, they were like, and it was like, but you like kids, like I walk in, I say something, I'm like, all right, everybody, right. Like, and I have a, their attention right away because I built a culture in there and I basically never switched my expectations of different audience, different expectations, that sort of stuff. And it was sort of like a, Oh, that's right. You have like, <laughs> this is a different group that like my incentive structure doesn't work the same with this group of adults as it did with <laughs> this group of kids who I have all the time. So yeah, I, I can imagine that being in just a different setting, you're going to have to make those adjustments. So. Yeah. So for, for me, I mean, my, I, I was, as Lee was sp speaking, I was nodding along as well, because I think that um, when she said it, I was like, yes, every teacher should have to make two observations every year, one in their, in their, in their department, one out of their department. Like they have to go see somebody who's not there. And yeah, I, I would start with that. And I remember actually a conversation I had with a, a colleague friend of mine when they did roll our new evaluation system out they like very much modeled it off of a corporate model like a top-down structure mm -hmm. when in reality what we need in our schools is not a top-down but more like the 360 mm -hmm. but the 360 model you need to hear mm -hmm. feedback from students from colleagues and mm -hmm. from administrators yep. you really need to get perspectives from multiple lines and when they built this system it really did turn what was a system that was not nearly as formal, a little looser, not nearly as observations, and it layered all of the observations up on top. And it made such administrative demands on whoever the observers are. Like we have enorm there's a, it's an enormous amount of administrative work to run this system when mm -hmm. that is not where our numbers lie. We have a lot of students and we have a lot of teachers. Why aren't the students and the teachers providing the feedback in that. And I'm, I know there's, it was very complicated and very political to do all of that. But for me, it seemed like a missed opportunity to, to think about teaching and growth of a professional in a much more, you know, uh, progressive way, like a, a much better way of thinking about how to provide meaningful feedback and not using it as a, let's build a structure that will allow us to fire people who we don't want to be in the building anymore, which is ultimately, I think, how it ultimately got structured um, was as a tool, mm -hmm. like a, a punitive tool rather than a tool to provide mm -hmm. constructive feedback. Um, so I, that's, <laughs> but it could be, could be part of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Instead, they just give waivers away in other states, apparently. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and, and we adopted a new evaluation system. I guess it's been three years ago now, maybe four years ago that um, does actually require a lot more of administrators, but I will tell you that it is a far better system than the system we had before. Mm -hmm. um, because it actually, in, in putting more work on administrators' backs, it actually forces them to meet with teachers to collaboratively reflect on what's working, what's mm -hmm. not, um, what can I do to support you, 
you know, at least that's how the conversations I've had with my administrators have gone. Um, and that's where I feel like I'm very fortunate is that I get to have conversations like that with my principals. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, at least I don't I don't know that everybody at my school has had that experience, but I can speak for myself when I say that, you know, my my interactions with my administrators have always been, what can we do to support you? Never a gotcha, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but what can we do to help you? What can we do to to make sure you have the things that you need, you know, professionally, you know, what, what, what can we do to help? That's you know, great. so I've, I've been very lucky in that regard. Um, and the system that we use now, which is called T-TESS, as far as, you know, helping teachers figure out, okay, here's what I'm doing well, here's where I need to improve. It's a much better system than we had mm -hmm. before. Um, you know, and it, it, the way that it's constructed is it, it really does lend itself well to reflection where the previous system didn't do any of that. It, you could have more opportunities for gotchas in the old system. Mm -hmm. Um, and this one is not so much that way. We've always had the ability to waive having an observe a formal observation, because even under the old system, you could have a waiver, but you had to meet very certain requirements. I mean, you still do. Like you can't waive within your first three years of being at a new school because mm -hmm. you're on a, a, what do they call it? Probationary contract. Yeah. So you can't be on a probationary contract. And then, like I said, if you passed your probationary period to be able to waive a formal observation, you have to have met certain criteria in certain domains mm -hmm. of the evaluation process. And there's some other stuff tied to the campus as well with that. So it's not just you, it's your school too. <laughs> and so there it's a it's kind of a convoluted way, but yeah, we've always had the opportunity to waive for formal observation. So for as long as I've taught, I've had a formal observation every other year since the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So you know, just because it's like, okay, you meet these criteria, all right, you can waive or not. And some years I'll waive and some years, you know, some years that I'm eligible for it, I won't. Like if I have a brand new principal that year, then I don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this year I did, even though I had a brand new principal, because I was like, okay, I know how hard these people are going to be working this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't need to see me. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. So I did that, you know, to save them, not me. <laughs> but I'm probably getting a new principal at the end of the month anyway. So I'm just going to say to that person, hey, you want to come see me? Cool. If you don't have time, also cool. But next year, you have to come and yeah. see me because I can't waive next year. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. uh, all right. Well, for me to answer this question, um, I there's two of my colleagues who I regularly just walk in their classroom all the time. Part of that is because we share classrooms. Um, so like my stuff is in there. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> if I want something and it's in, you know, 258, like. I just walk in and get it. Now that's Brian's room. And so I teach, <laughs> I teach in two rooms. I have a prep room. Uh, we have a bio prep room that is across the hall from those two rooms. So if I need something, I'll, I'll peek over and like, I won't walk in while they're, that's not true. If Brian's lecturing, I will walk completely in the room. I walk right, by, <laughs> I, I walk behind him in the back of the room, but like, I will walk in his room. Other teachers, he's the only one I will do that too. Like I, I, I look in and see what he's doing to know how much of a disruption I want to make when I walk in. But like, I will walk in his room. Like he could be in the middle of, of like finishing a soliloquy and I'll walk right through his room, uh, no big deal. And he will do the same to me if he needs something out of the room. But uh, really it's only a couple of my colleagues who I share rooms with that I'll walk in. 
a lot of times we'll have a quick collaborative conversation. Like I'll look in and I'll be like, Hey, you know, we had that snow day. Are we still on the test on this day? Are we going to quiz on this? Or what do you want to do for this? Or, Hey, I finished this. Like those kind of conversations. Cause we do a ton of collaboration, but I don't get to do any sustained observations. Like I'm not really doing it. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll look in, especially if they're doing a new activity that I've brought to them or they're doing an activity that either I haven't done in a while or we've decided to do a little twist on it and I haven't done it yet. I'll like sometimes pause and look in and sometimes I'll even walk around and see the students groups and do that because again, I'm kind of a known quantity. I made a lot of the videos, a lot of our flipped videos. So like all the kids know who I am um, in all the biology classes. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like a YouTube celebrity amongst uh, the very niche nerd on our bio set uh, in our school. <laughs> so like I can, I have the cachet to walk in and spend time in the rooms without it being disruptive to like teaching and learning. And in fact, the kids will often engage and have conversations with me, but it's not like, yeah, I mean, those are things where people are doing my work anyway. Like they're doing work that I mm-hmm. contribute to. I'm not getting brand new insights from the how to do my job necessarily or not as much. Yeah. I am getting a lot of information about how different students are interpreting the work and that will then lead me to then be better at teaching it myself. Um, and so I, there's huge value in having that like casual collaborative relationship and I'm very fortunate on having that. But... I would love to go look at non-science teachers and see how they run their classrooms and watch how they do things Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are, I'm very good at running labs. I'm very good at running certain types of discussions, but I know that there are a lot of other ways for students to access material than, than my bag of tricks. And I'm certain if I spent, you know, you know, a a couple of classes watching teachers do different things that I would learn and gain some insight, just like I think they would learn for me. Um, and, and we do have, I, I will give my district credit, we do have a program that is a formal, it's called teacher to teacher program, where you can sign up and get sub coverage and go and spend time observing. But I will say it's like a lot of the other stuff we do, it's very heavily structured. And when they go mm-hmm. and ask you, it's like the last week of quarter one, and you're working on your comments and grading and grades and all of this stuff. And they're like a new cohort of the teacher to teacher program. And like literally every time they post it, I go, gosh, I just, this seems like so much work and I'm already so buried. Like, it seems like they wait until I feel like my most exhausted and then they post that this is the program. And so they never hit me. <laughs> they, it's like bad design for it to incentivize people to dive into this, this program, at least mm-hmm. for me. It, it's never resonated at a time for me. There was one time a couple of years ago where I was like, because I, I had a couple of teachers come in and watch me teach that year. And then I had really nice conversations with them after the fact. And I was like, ah, oh, this would be so, yeah, maybe I should do that. Um, mm-hmm. But again, they just asked, I think the, 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 there was, it was the day before I was leaving for like the AP read. Like, so I'm like literally like setting my sub plans, <laughs> like packing up. I think I was driving from the school to the airport <laughs> for the AP read. <laughs> and I was like, do I put in my paperwork for this other thing? I don't think so. I'm just going to fly to Kansas city. Like it was like, you know, I had, it just never hits me at a time when it, it meets well. And there's a, there's a couple of things that my district does that I think are very interesting PD that every time I, like every time they post that it's available, 
Um, like there's another one that they're doing. It's like an equity and diversity training that I've really wanted to do, but it usually fills up. The next time they start it is literally the day my student teacher is supposed to start. I'm also supposed to have a professional development that I'm going to in the morning. And I have a professional development from seven to eight 30 that night, but from four 30 to six in the afternoon is a mandatory thing. And I was like, I looked at it. I was like, I am crazy, but I am not that crazy. I'm not going to go to like, like my day already was like, I looked at that day in my schedule and there were like, it was like red and green. It was like all like sticky notes on it. <laughs> like it was like, all sorts of, there was so much stuff going on that day. I was like, I guess I'm not doing this cycle. So uh, it's nice being in a big district that can provide you opportunities like that. But at the same time, time they're they are sometimes run you know very uh very heavily designed heavily maybe not designed but heavily um administered so that you have to meet a lot of criteria or they don't always they're not very flexible um so there's that all right so let's let's now take a step out of our buildings and and maybe adults that are never actually in your room but have a huge influence on teaching and this could go real positive or real negative because i have list i have a laundry list of both of them uh but but kelly uh what about you who are the adults who may physically never be in your classroom but but still have this you know disproportionate impact on on the work that you do Right. So I tried to think about the positive and the mm-hmm. negative, and I was actually laughing when I was reading the show notes, which you filled in yeah. first, Aaron, and I saw that we both mentioned the same person <laughs> as being very <laughs> integral to our teaching practice. Yeah. Um, I went through the You Can Teach program at the University of Kansas, and I was incredibly lucky to have such great teachers that basically taught me how mm-hmm. to teach, and two of them, I'm still very in close contact, Brad and Carol Williamson. Um, I talk to them all the time. And anytime I'm having a bad day, I'll text one of them or Carol met me last week for a beer and she dropped off all sorts of supplies for my new elementary job. So I just can't thank either of them like enough for what they do for me um, from like a pre-service teacher all the way up to 10 years in my career now has been just absolutely wonderful. Um I also just hang out with a lot of biology yeah. teachers. So I've got like pocket PD. I just, all my group chats are basically like memes as well as biology teaching. So um, we shoot each other quick texts throughout the day and resources and ideas and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And I know social media always gets a bad rap, but like I've met so many cool people through Twitter. You two are among <laughs> them that I get a chance to learn from. And I'm really thankful for my virtual friends that now I get to see in person sometimes too at conferences and stuff. Yes. But on the negative side, um, I do teach in Missouri and I taught most of my career in Kansas, which neither state have the best reputation for actually following science. Uh, Started my career in Kansas and the Koch family um, was really pushing a lot of anti-climate science materials to schools. We were just getting all sorts of readings and lessons that were very cleverly disguised as like saying climate change is not a human caused problem, it's natural. And there are probably teachers that don't have strong backgrounds that see that and think they are maybe legit. So we got together as the Kansas Association of Biology Teachers and like did a lot trying to fight back against that sort of thing, getting pushed out to schools. Um, but now things haven't gotten much better in Missouri. Um, our attorney general has been threatening legal action against schools that are pushing mask mandates or enforcing quarantines for students. 
so COVID is COVID has really been just like let it rip seems to be the the motto this semester. Um, we really have no backup, and teachers are getting sick left and right. Students are missing a ton of school, and it just feels like we're out here floundering with just no support. Yeah, well, so I'm sure it's going to be nothing like that in Texas, rightly. Um. <laughs> of course not. No, no, this doesn't sound familiar Never. at all. Why? But of course we follow science uh-huh. fiction. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and 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 start with the negative. Um, I would say yeah. that the adults who influence my my classroom that never have set foot and probably wouldn't deign to set foot in it are the Texas legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, they're constantly making rules that govern what I can and can't do um, without much thought to the consequences or to the impact on education. Um, you know, so they, they definitely have an influence. I mean, they, for the entirety of my teaching career, the legislature has decimated public education in this state. Mm-hmm. And, they continue to do so. And, and until we get new leadership at the top, um, I don't see that improving at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a whole entire show in and of itself, just the governor's race here in Texas. You know, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to the primary, but mm-hmm. not. Um, but I, again, I, until we get new leadership, I don't see that, that the situation for Texas public schools improving. Um, you know, so I'm just going to say the most polite thing I know how to say and say that their influence is far from positive. Um, so, cause otherwise I'll get vulgar and yeah, and I won't shut up. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, uh, and also those people are in the national news enough for the crazy stuff they do. People can just Google it. And so, um, but as far as like, you know, adults who are not in my classroom that have an influence on what goes on in my classroom. It's, you know, my colleagues that are in the Twitterverse or that I've met at various conferences or who I've gone to workshops with, or, you know, all of that, because we're all friends. And Mm -hmm. so I like Kelly, how you put it pocket PD. I never thought about it like that, but that is a perfect way to describe like when I'm texting my friends about, I'm going to teach this and we're going to do this and da, 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 da. So I'm going to call it that from now on. I'm going to co-op that, that phrase. Um, you know, because I'll, you know, push stuff out to friends like my AP, um, uh, call, not colleagues, AP consultant mm-hmm. friends. You know, I've got a, a small group of friends that I'm like, hey, look, this is the this the agenda that I'm going to push out to, you know, for my APSIs. What do y'all think? You know, and so we collaborate, we work together to kind of construct our workshops similarly, you know, obviously with our own flair. Um you know, but the stuff that they do and, and the feedback they provide me with and the things we share with each other, you know, that's, that definitely has an influence on, on what I do with my students in the classroom and, and the science that I get to teach them and how I get to teach it, you know? And so it's, it's fun to get to learn from friends, you know, and that's the, to me, the best way is, you know, you surround yourself with people that force you to be better Um, you know, and I like to think that the group of people that I surround myself with force me to be better at what I do, you know, and, and the people that benefit are my students. I, I, I still like to call them the cabal of biology teachers, which you, you liked that one. (laughs) I do like that one. (laughs) Cause there's like, there's like 10 or so of them that are the, the people all on the social media who are like, all right. 
enough of that, folks. Stop talking about this over there. Those are the important <laughs> things to go on. Uh, some of them are quiet people who make those decisions. But uh, yeah, I, it was funny because uh, I was just thinking back to last month where I was had on two separate conversations, uh, one with Mike Murray, who was telling me I should become an AP consultant, and me talking to mm -hmm. Lee saying, should I become an AP consultant? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, both of us <laughs> hitting you from both sides. No, because he was asking me, like, he was telling me that I needed to do this thing, and I'm talking to Lee. Lee, should I be doing this? It was just a very funny thing. I, by the way, my yes. my yes, my, my my uh, application is now officially in, and it is complete. Yeah, it is complete. Well, yeah, we'll find out if uh, they approve. Yeah, whatever. They they may decide. They take forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah they take forever to make that decision. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, they may randomly tell you in August or September, oh, by the way, you've been chosen. Because <laughs> that's how long it took them to get back they've, to me. They've given me a theater <laughs> timeline. Um, we'll just... Yeah, oh, we'll they? just okay. see how desperate they are for people, uh, to whether or not they want me, of all people. Um, uh, right. <laughs> so, we'll but, see. I mean, you could be surprised. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you it's be funny because like, I, I, uh, I, there's all sorts of AP consultant people who, because of my network, I'm not, I'm not part of that group, but that I mm -hmm. talk to so many AP consultants who are just friends of mine who are various things. And so I mm -hmm. kind of know what people are doing in the APSIs in the summer, just because I'm talking to so mm -hmm. many people who are running them that, <laughs> that mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. And I'm like, uh, so then I go in and I'm talking to other people and they're like, do you run AP APSIs or, or, uh, Oh, Kathy last summer who was like, wait a minute, you don't run APSIs. She was certain that I ran them because I knew all this stuff that she was talking about. <laughs> from this conversation yeah i'll actually be in boston in july Ooh. running an apsi for mass insight yeah, I, I, uh, so i will give you a heads up when i yeah, come well, out if you have any way. influence if i do get accepted and i need to shadow somebody that would be a not a such not a bad bad thing to... that would be a good one to come come yeah. and look at yeah, yeah. I could, i'd be happy yeah. to do grunt work for you for a week uh <laughs> hey that would be amazing uh, all right well we've sorted that out well so for me uh i <laughs> i could i could also be on the negative side the one thing i would say about the politicians which i 100 percent agree and, and i would say this for all adults who do not teach in a classroom have no idea what it's like to be in a classroom in the last five years if you were in a classroom you yeah. know what modern classrooms look like now that's not to say mm -hmm. there aren't modern classrooms that look very much like they did 20 or 25 years ago, but most of them mm -hmm. don't. And the kids experience nope. is radically different than when everybody else was in school. You know, like that, the mm -hmm. fact is, is there's a generational separation. So the fact is, is that the kids experience is very much based off the culture that they're in, in the location that they're in, in the school that they're in. And when you teach, that is who you're teaching at the time and the place. And you have changed as a professional. So I will say this of myself. I'm going to pick on myself. I have no idea what it looks like in a day-to-day -to, -day to teach an English class in 2022. I just don't. Mm -hmm. The last time I sat in a high school English class, there was no internet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there just wasn't. <laughs> you know, I, it, mm -hmm. I graduated high school in 1992. Like I, I don't know. And it's not to say I haven't been in high school English classes and I've observed high school English classes over those last, you know, 30 years. But the fact is I don't really know what goes into that. So if an English teacher is telling me X, Y, and Z is their experience in the classroom, I'm going to believe them because like that's their experience in there. And so when it's administered with the, like the, the, the administrators, this sometimes is it where I butt heads with them because they'll, they'll make changes like that. But in the last two years, I really have felt like the legislative changes, the rules about the pandemic 
we literally had a different set of rules every six to eight weeks during the 2020 2021 mm -hmm. school year every six to eight yep. weeks there was a different set of rules and sometimes they were more protective and i could appreciate a rule that was a change to say you know what we had this set of rules in there things are getting worse we want to increase the degree of protection we're going to make these changes i would then go i totally understand that other times it would be like we're just changing this rule and it'd be like why <laughs> <laughs> why suddenly did the hours reg did the number of hours a kid needs to be in the building change between December and January? The pandemic didn't get better, mm -hmm. but you just have decided that the mm -hmm. rules were going to change. And those arbitrary outside of school rules change. Those are what of all of my frustrations last year, that is the thing that I probably will never get over because I did feel that they were making rules. And again, were there schools that may not have been doing things that the way the state wanted them to? That's great. You know what happens when one kid in my classroom is doing something they shouldn't be doing? I talk to the one kid. I don't change the rules for 24 kids Everybody. when one kid is there. Yep. Now, if 22 kids are there, then I relook at the structure or 10 or 12 kids. But those weren't the situations. We had a handful of schools that were in fights with the state. And so then the state said, well, rather than dealing with these one or two districts, we're just going to change all of the rules. And, and that sort of was the role that I felt we were in all of last year. So that was my negativity kind of side of that was there. And we're, uh, by the way, in the midst of that a little bit this year, similar. Um, the rules are, rules are shifting and changing, not quite as rapidly as last year. And I will also say that I'm not as tense having been fully vaccinated and boosted and understanding a lot more of the science of what's going on. I feel mm -hmm. a lot more at ease with my own ability to have this information. It still doesn't make, I just now can shake my head going, well, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, as I had somebody in my room with the measuring tape, measuring the distance between desks again, as we were coming back from break, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so anyway, there are these, there are these uh, things that are going on, but on the positive side, I would say, and I did mention, you know, the, the t other teachers, um, like Lee, um, that I, like whenever I run a fast lab, I think of the, the emails and texts and, and conversations with Lee. Um, I can remember getting on a plane to fly to NABT and I had messaged Lee and I had downloaded all of these Lee's labs, Lee's versions of her fast plant lab. And I was <laughs> drafting them on the flight uh to nabt because i was <laughs> modifying them and like okay because it was an ap version i was gonna do with my honors or you know like how do you not when you run the yeast balls lab or the 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 leaf disc lab i was just running the leaf disc lab with my honors bio kids how do you not do that when you look at the pictures that are in the thing and you're like well <laughs> those are brad's hands <laughs> that's, that's brad's hands <laughs> holding the syringe so like like how do you yeah. not think of brad when you run the leaf disc lab or bob who's like posting videos online. I'm like, Bobby, you get doing this lab again? He's like, no, I'm just playing with it. Like, you know, those guys are, you know, or like when I'm running PCR or doing some biotech stuff, like I think of Bob, like, or do stats. And I, how do I not think of Ryan Reardon when I run stats or, or, or teach the hypothesis and I think of Paul Strode, like, you know, like these are the people who mm -hmm. I message and I talk to and I, I have conversations with all the time. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, my grading system is a, a whole ripoff of, of, of Paul Strode, like my, so, um, or, you know, uh, Brittany Franskoviak, I do, I do formative essays that are a whole, like, if I had never talked to Brittany, I would never teach this. It's probably the thing I spend the most time doing with my AP bio class during the year is something that I learned from conversations with Brittany. I got what she did. I've spent the last three or four years modifying them to what makes meaning to me, but it was her work that 
like really, it's not for Brittany. I'm not doing that piece of work. And so how do I not think of their influence? Because my classroom is very much a reflection of the community of teachers that we're part of. So oh, that's a positive note to finish on. <laughs> the yes, positive influences definitely. Out, out there. All right, let me give my show credits. Uh, please subscribe to Life of the School on your podcast player of choice. Uh, you can get uh, show notes and uh, audio at patreon.com patreon.com slash lots uh you can also chip in a buck or two um i post out early releases for my patreons uh music on this and every episode is provided by jake jenkins and x magicians show notes are at lifeofthschool.org as well as on patreon.com and uh you can follow me um at mr matthew tweets or at life of the school and i will tag uh, lee and kelly when i post this out on twitter so thanks for joining us and i'll talk to everybody soon